All right, so we're back to another cutting room floor. Um, we're sort of slowly making our way to the end of the Torah. Um, and we're going to be sort of on Sundays, especially skipping over some of the laws. We want to take some time in this space to lean into. So why are there 613 laws? Mm -hmm. Why this massive collection of not only laws, but also space of the Torah dedicated to them. For sure. Yeah. And it, it, you just mentioned there's 613 of them and you can make your way through the first five books of the Bible, which generally have been referred to as either the Torah or the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. And like the first book yeah, and a half. Pentateuch, right, is, refers to the five. The five. Torah is like teaching or law. In yeah, Hebrew. or instruction. Yeah. yeah. And so the first, you know, book and a half is like narrative. It's exciting. And by the time you get to the last half of Exodus and like Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you're reading all of these like laws and you're kind of yeah. like, what's going on here? So your point exactly, like let's talk about like how then we as Christians should relate to yeah. this specific section of text which is tricky right because when you read the new testament like you see the pharisees and they relate to the law a certain way mm -hmm. then you have jesus he seems to relate to it like what's going on there and then you have paul so you yeah. read all this in the new testament and you're like so how do i go back and read the torah as a follower of jesus exactly and understand its relevance to me for sure and that's the perspective we want to have here as followers of jesus how do we look at these yeah. sections of scripture so i think just a couple of points to start us off Number one, we've kind of already alluded to this, but number one, the, the word law is Torah in Hebrew. And that's the same word that can and often is translated as instruction or teaching. And the point here is not to just do a word study or like an etymology or definition of the word, but to point out that what we're reading in the law is not like how I think of law sometimes in our modern context of like a civil kind of code book or like a thing I just look things up yeah. where there's like entries for you know, parking tickets or Did you violate this section of the penal code. Yeah. And there's not like a number and a section and yeah. a code as you're reading, which might seem obvious, but it gets out to this point of the law is inherently meant to be instruction or teaching mm -hmm. and not just kind of arbitrary commands disassociated from practical life yeah. and character formation. And this is why in the Psalms we see people saying meditate on the law. Exactly. So yeah. they're not saying look at the legal document, but the teaching of the God teaching. Yeah. And held in the Torah. And there's formation that's meant to happen as, as one does that. Um, so that's point number one. Point two, uh, again, these might seem obvious, but I think these are things to just pay attention yeah. to. The law was given to Israel, not us in 2021 okay. in Pacific Road. So there's like a contextual ancient Near East meaning. For sure. Original meaning in the very least. Exactly. And there was a, a purpose that God had for Israel in giving I Israel the, this section, this yeah. law uh, at Sinai and then kind of as in the story progressed. In salvation history. Exactly. And Paul makes this explicitly clear in Galatians 3. He talks about and refers back to the Torah or the law. And he uses this kind of uh, interesting Greek word that basically translate as a tutor or a guardian. And his point in Galatians 3, Paul's is, is that... The law was meant for a specific time, and the law was meant to be like a tutor or someone to more or less kind of supervise Israel or supervise God's people for a set amount of time until the coming of Jesus. Yeah. And so, again, the point that Paul has in Galatians 3 is that the law was meant for a specific purpose at a specific point in redemptive history. Which is important as we're reading the scriptures that they are, they have original audiences. For sure. And we have to sort of take that into mind when we understand their meaning as it applies to us. Exactly. And I think that gets important, especially when you're looking at some of the, I don't know, laws that seem very confusing about like, you know, you know, bathing a goat in its mother's milk yeah. or like the two cloths sort of thing or the bacon sort of thing. Like yeah. there's an ancient context behind that. That's good. And to be able to study and learn more into yeah. that. 
thirdly, the next point here, again, the law does not save. And we've talked about this before, but I think this is crucial. And this, the point here is that this is consistent both in the Old Testament and New Testament. Yeah. This and not, in Jesus, and in Paul, exa- and in James. For like, sure. You go through the whole New Testament, and yeah. there's consistency here. There's consistency here all throughout Scripture, even yeah. to the point where, again, it's important. In the Old Testament, God has already saved and delivered his people, and then gives them his so instruction maybe tease or that law. Out. So when you say saved and delivered, you mean he found them in slavery, mm-hmm. and he saves them from slavery. Yes, brings them to himself so he can worship them. Yeah. And then once he removes them from slavery, then he gives them the law on Mount Sinai, Exodus 19. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's exactly the point there is Exodus 19, God has already called Israel, you are my chosen people. You already are mine. So this giving of the law is not so that Israel can either, you know, work their way into God's family or earn their salvation or anything along those lines. It is meant to be, as a member of God's family, yeah. this is how I relate to God. He has already God. brought them to himself. Exactly. He's already, that relationship has already been formed and established. And the law for Israel in the Old Testament was a way of kind of maintaining and relating to God as that relationship progressed throughout Israel's okay. history. Um, number four, though, and this is kind of a little bit big picture here, and we'll kind of narrow in as we kind of close here. But number four, the law is part of a story. And this gets to what I was talking about a little bit before is that the law is not just like legal code with numbers and codes and sections. It's not like the whole Old Testament is just a series of laws. Exactly. It's wrapped in a narrative. It's a narrative. And that's primarily how we need to see how the law is being communicated to us in written form. It's through a narrative. John Salehammer, a Hebrew scholar, has this book called The Pentateuch's Narrative. And he makes a really convincing case, I think, of how in noticing how the, the laws or the sections that we kind of think of as laws are interjected and given throughout the narrative. And his point is, is that if you pay attention to kind of the big blocks of writing that are laws, you'll notice that in between them are often narratives and stories of Israel's failure. And so you have this almost cyclical pattern throughout, especially the latter half of the Torah, where God gives laws and Israel kind of fails or disobeys, or there's some moment of rebellion that happens. Some more laws are given, Israel fails, disobeys, rebellion. And this cycle kind of repeats itself up until the very end of the book of Deuteronomy, which is the last book of the Torah or the law, where Moses basically says, what we need around here is a renovation or a change of heart. The language is a circumcised heart. And the point to be made is that within and inherent with the narrative and the Torah itself is a message. And that message is within its own writing, that the law is not able to change or shape or to transform the human heart. Which is really important because often I think we read the New Testament and we think, oh, all those Old Testament people, they thought mm. if only we could master this, yes. that like they could be saved through works. But what you're saying is built into the narrative yes. of the Torah itself is a sense of the law is not enough. Exactly. And so what you're saying is it's not the scripture that tells us. Yeah. You just need to do more and earn your salvation. Yeah, yeah. That's the human heart or the human attempt to earn their salvation, which is not really endorsed anywhere. Exactly. And that's consistent, again, not just New Testament theology. This is Old and New Testament. This is biblical theology of the the law and how that relates to the human heart. Overt in the New Testament and maybe is missable. Yes. If you're a Christian in the 21st century reading the Torah and thinking all they care about is laws. And yet, sometimes we can miss the narrative flow, mm-hmm. which says law, failure, or no, saved from slavery, yes. law, failure, law, failure, yes. law, failure, up until the end of Deuteronomy. 
hey guys, I think we need a new new heart. New heart around here. And then exactly. the prophets in Israel, nurtured in this law, also are pointing For sure, to Ezekiel, heart. Jeremiah, yeah. 100%. I think this kind of gets at even like a bigger idea of like how we read, especially the Old Testament, is paying attention to the narrative flow and inherent in that narrative flow is often the theological message of what is trying to be uh, okay. communicated. Super helpful. Really, yeah, I think so too. And so then that leads to this kind of fifth point at this point, uh, number five, there, we mentioned this at the beginning too, there's 613 laws or commands in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. I thought there were just 10 that I could get <laughs> on my Torah, finger. Right, yeah, so you have the 10 and then you have 42 <laughs> after that. And then uh, a Jewish scholar in, in the early Middle Ages, I think, was the one that first kind of counted. There's 613 of them. And the point here is that if you were to kind of, and scholars have tried to do this, map out all 613 and try to figure out, okay, how are we doing? How was Israel organized as a society? The point is, is that there's not enough commands just in those 613 for you to have a functioning society or civilization. And why is this important? Well, this gets at then what is the purpose of these 613? If this was not, I think, Israel's full legal code, like this was, there, there had to have been something else that Israel was like, you know, working by or, you know, maybe more attuned to as far as how they structured things in the temple or their government or anything like that. What then is the point of these 613? To me, it seems like, okay, the 613, if it's not the full legal code, there's actually then a broader thing happening hmm. within them. And this gets at what we were just mentioning, the theological message behind the Torah, what the purpose is, is that it's meant to be pointing to our need for a change of heart. And also, as you read through Deuteronomy, Moses points out that what we need around here is a prophet, he says, greater than himself. Mm. One that will come and save and redeem. And the, 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 the placement or the selection of these 613 is meant to be seen as not, again, a full legal code for Israel, but to teach and to form Israel to become the kinds of people that anticipate God's coming Messiah. Mm. And I think that's really, really crucial with that. Now... In addition to that, then what then for us as Christians, how then should we kind of think about these laws? And I think yeah. this is where we spend a little bit of time and kind of end here. This is number five. Okay, no number five. And there's a little bit of sub points here yeah. uh, so with this. Yeah, sub points to five. Sub points to Got five. It. And to understand, okay, so then what then is the purpose of these 613? If it's not the full legal code to organize Israel society, what then is its purpose? Well, you can actually just read the Torah itself yeah. and it will tell you. Um, so the first kind of sub point to number five then is that the Torah or the law is to be a source of wisdom. Okay, so wisdom is distinct from a manual. Exactly. And this is crucial because this is not like, you know, God sort of giving Israel exact instructions yeah. for every single situation that they were going to come across in life. And I think that's the difference between a full legal code and just recognizing that the 613 is meant to be a source of wisdom. Yeah. So Deuteronomy 4. What wisdom allows you to do is live a life mm -hmm. that is honoring of God, righteous, just, yes. holy, but might not, like, there might not be a true or false answer. Exactly, yeah. It's like, oh, this is, I look at line X. Like, yes. It's like, no, there's wisdom that needs to be applied in order to navigate life. For sure. And that's exactly what Paul, or what, sorry, Moses says in Deuteronomy 4, that these laws are to be your chokmah or wisdom. It's the same yeah. word that's used for wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Yeah. And so to really then understand the law is really, you could say it like this, as it's wisdom literature. Yeah. And it's meant to be kind of it's this. A tutor 
in wisdom. For sure. And that's exactly when Paul later then, oftentimes he applies yeah. passages from the Torah to his context when he's talking about, say, you know, financial support for leaders in the church. He references back to the Torah. Do not muzzle an ox when it yeah. treads on the grain. He's applying the wisdom of that principle. Like a proverb. Like almost. a proverb almost to his modern context as he's okay. uh, speaking or writing in that situation. So the law is wisdom, hokmah. Uh, secondly, the law as a means of justice. And again, this relates to being a person of wisdom, but very specifically, Deuteronomy 4, verse 8, talks about the law representing tzedakah and mishpat, righteousness mm. and justice. And it was to be sort of like this model or this window into what it looked like to demonstrate and live out the righteousness and justice that is actually inherent to who God is. Yeah. And as image bearers of God, Israel was called to represent God yeah. faithfully in the world. And then there's all kinds of laws that get at this. Exactly. And so yeah. the intent is that as Israel kind of abides by the wisdom of these laws, they would also then be embodying Sedekat and Mishpat, righteousness and justice. Can you give justice. us an example? Yeah. So I think of, in particular, there's a law in Deuteronomy that talks about putting a fence around your roof. Hmm. And for us, like I think about, there's like, actually, this is interesting. In Pacific Grove, there's two houses that I'm really jealous of <laughs> that I walk around. And they actually have a fence around the roof because it's this really cool, you know, spot to, I would imagine, to hang out sure, or to sure. like throw a party or whatnot. But besides those two houses, most of us like look at that and are like, you know, what's the point, right? Yeah. Why, why do roof you need a fence? fence around? Exactly. Totally. But the point here would be uh, something to the effect of in ancient Israel, you know, you're probably living on a flat kind of mm. house or a flat roof. And so putting a, a fence around your, uh, you know, roof or, or whatnot was a means of caring for or loving your neighbor. And it might seem really simple. It might seem like, I don't know, not all that significant. Mm. But embedded in that was becoming kind of a just or good person, caring for your neighbor, not just, you know, being flagrant or flippant about that. I think another quick example would be the laws associated with Allowing or not, sorry, not not allowing, but making sure that the edges of your field were not harvested, hmm. and there was provision built into that so that the poor or the yeah. marginalized in society Gleaning. would be able to glean from the yeah. edges. So it's like, what's the wisdom for us today in something like that, or the means of justice in that? Well, something to the effect perhaps of like not taking all of the resources and allowing a you know a sharing or kind of a, a community act yeah. of allowing others to participate. Yeah, a value for feeding those who are hungry. Exactly. Totally. Okay. Um, and then lastly, then, especially this gets at the contextual side of the laws. And this kind of third sub point is, so you have wisdom, you have righteousness and justice. Thirdly, as this last point, number five, the law as a means of progress. And what I mean by this is that, especially when you do like a compare and contrast between other ancient Near Eastern cultures yeah. and Israel itself, Many of the laws that we might find like either barbaric or arbitrary or just plain old confusing. Oh, massive improvements. Yes. Massive. Yeah. Contemporary context. Totally. And so what you see here is God meeting Israel where they're at and pushing and pulling them forward into more and more of what his heart yeah. ideally is. Good. And I think specifically where you have what seems like these weird kind of, I don't know, confusing food laws about kosher and what to eat and what not to eat in Deuteronomy 14, for example, yeah. you have in that same chapter, in that same paragraph, laws related to food with the kosher stuff, but also laws about how to use that same food to throw an annual party for the poor, Deuteronomy mm. 14, verse 22 and following, and also three times a year a donation to what we might consider like a local food bank yeah. of some sorts. And so you have built into 
these strange food laws a means of we might say social justice or like community action mm. or ways of serving the marginalized and the poor so that again it's about israel being distinct from the nations mm. so that they might see the goodness and mercy and justice That's of good. god um in that you have other things like the seven-year debt cancellation cycle this yeah. year of jubilee yeah. things like where so every year seven jubilee, years every 50 years 50 years yeah right release of all captives yes. the redistribution of land yeah which israel from what we can tell, never, never did, did. Yeah, but like pretty radical stuff and very progressive for yeah. that culture in particular. Pretty much for any culture, any culture, I mean, even today. Imagine like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty radical stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so when you begin to see a lot of these laws in their ancient Near Eastern context in comparison to what other cultures were doing, I think you really begin to see God's heart for not only Israel but for the other nations, and to see how God is calling Israel to this, we could say, a higher standard. And this way of living that really shows and demonstrates back to the righteousness and justice who God really is and what his heart is for Israel and the rest of the nations. Is that point five? Point five, yes. Okay. There's a lot there. And so that's actually that's kind of the, the main kind of five points yeah, that, that I had there for, for us. And I think just kind of taking a step back, again, I'm not saying that these laws are easy to understand. No. I'm not saying that there aren't things in here that either, even when I read them or maybe when you read them, yeah. they, they trouble us. They, they do for me at times. Like, why did God allow this? Why was there, especially laws around like adultery and the way that stoning, uh, stoning of, people. of people, all those sorts of stuff. That's very troubling to me. And I don't say if I can answer to yeah. some of those particular questions, at least at, at this point. But I do think just having this broader perspective yeah. of understanding the, the role of the law in the biblical storyline, understanding kind of what the law says about itself, what it was meant to do yeah. and be for Israel and understanding that it was given for Israel at a particular moment in a yeah. particular time. I think some of those, I don't know, main points can be like good handholds as we navigate through That's some great. of these sections of scripture. Super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're sort of sharing, it just helps us to maybe step back and appreciate how the law had a specific purpose at a specific time. And as new Testament Christians, how we can understand that yeah, a little better. For sure. Thanks, man. Yeah.